Turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Mark, chapter 8. I'm going to ask you to remain seated this morning for the reading of the Word because I'm going to be talking to you about standing and I want to give you a visual of that maybe towards the end. Mark 8, verse 35, out of the Amplified Version of the Bible. For whosoever wants to save his life, his higher spiritual eternal life, will lose it. The lower natural temporal life which is lived only on earth, and who gives up his life which is lived only on earth for my sake and the gospels will save it. That means his higher spiritual life in the eternal kingdom of God. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life in the eternal kingdom of God? For what can a man give as an exchange, a compensation, a ransom in return for the blessed life in the eternal kingdom of God? For whosoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words in this adulterous, unfaithful, and preeminently sinful generation... Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory and the splendor and the majesty of his Father with the holy angels. Whosoever will be ashamed of me in this evil and adulterous generation, Jesus says, of him will I be ashamed when I come in the splendor and the majesty of the Father and with the holy angels. There is the man that gets on the airplane and takes his wedding ring off when he's seated in first class. He never says that I'm not married. He never disavows that he has a family and children through another woman. He just is seeing what his prospects may be through the flight attendants and those in first class as well. There are people that, while enjoying all of the benefits, the advantages, and the luxuries of the United States, taking advantage of everything from the food to health care to all of the benefits that our free country provides, yet they desecrate the flag, they curse those that have defended the country, and they treat the United States as if it were an unholy thing, but they themselves reap the benefits of said country. Then you compare that with the family that goes on a road game for high school with their children and they're sitting in a South Georgia stadium and they're the only one with their colors on. They're wearing purple, everyone else is wearing blue and they gladly yet apprehensively cheer in a crowd of people that aren't cheering at the same time They're cheering. All three of those are a form of of shame or the opposite of that. The Bible tells us that we are citizens not of this world but of another country. And I see as the hour grows late that our witness is getting darker. We're taking off our wedding rings in the presence of other people. We're refusing to wear our colors out into the world and we're surrounded by a cold, indifferent Christian community 
that thinks it's more important for someone to like me than it is for me to be a representative of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not honor the Lord in arrogance. We do not honor the Lord simply because we're loud. And we most certainly do not honor him when we're judgmental of other men's hearts. But we are to be proclaimers, representatives, ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are United States embassies all over the world, which means in that one little territory, the United States, is the, the laws govern that, and those people represent our president, our leaders, and our nation on foreign soil. We are the ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I bring to you today a kind of a, a it's not a, judgmental word, but it's a hard word because there's no in-betweens on this. There's no gray area on this. We are to live unashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to wear the colors in the wrong stadium. We are, we are to be proud of, vocal about, and never withdrawing so that someone else will notice that we belong to him. Let me read this to you. It is our light that convicts people of darkness. It is our purity that convicts them of immorality. And it is our unmistakable allegiance to God himself that convicts them of their opposition to them. There will be people by odds in this room when the Lord Jesus returns with, for his church And then back with his church that he will be embarrassed of. That he will act in that moment as they acted on the earth. So this message I offer you this morning in deep humility is that none of us be found in that group that he's embarrassed of. That we stand, we stand singularly, we stand absolutely, unequivocally, and un ashamedly that we belong to God and we are his possession. Father, I pray this morning that you would allow me the ability to preach with an anointing today, a clarity of words and of power. Uh, Lord, we do not deem ourselves better than anyone. I want to say it again, God. I know I am not better than anyone, but I am different because great grace has been applied to my life and I have seen truth And that truth has sanctified me and set me apart. And I pray, O Lord, that I would never not only be an embarrassment to you, but more importantly, that I would never be embarrassed of you. May I never change my colors to fit in with a a distant or hostile crowd, O Lord. But that I would wear the, the red robe of your blood. And that I would be honored to be persecuted for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. I know it's unthinkable, but there are people who are ashamed of the Lord. They're unmistakable when you find them. They distance themselves from the person of Jesus Christ. They desecrate the name of the Lord by their mixture of faith and worldliness. They dishonor the Lord by words and actions and attitudes. They devalue the Lord by misrepresenting him to other people. And they discount the Lord by choosing the world's approval as more valuable. These people that are ashamed of the Lord are often bound. Listen, 
You think heroin addiction is something? Think crack cocaine or or, uh, sexual addictions or something? Try being addicted to the approval of the masses. Approval addiction will distort, gut, and leave you a shadow of your former self. We have to know who we are and be it. But these people are bound and they, they pride themselves that they're not bound to alcohol or drugs or some perversion. But the least opinion that someone else might have, they'll change who they very are. Chameleon Christians. When God is looking in this last hour, who will stand up? Who will stand out? Who will unashamedly say, I belong to him? These people that are ashamed of the Lord are ashamed of his words. See, this, this is the part where I really wanted to talk to you this morning. Because you could, you could hear, you can hear it in the spirit. You can watch it in the lives of Christians that say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus, but his words. What he said, we back away from it. We, we don't echo it. We don't comment. We, we delude it because it's the attack on the words of God in this last hour that is drawing deep lines, unmistakable lines, eternal lines between those that name the name of God and those that know the God that they name. They're with him. We are not to be ashamed of his words We don't back down because someone is a celebrity or some pastor that has a church of 15,000 and he begins to change the word of God because of uh, public approval and in this ever-growing age in which the world is changing, we too must be open to change and respect the people that come in. No! No! We must make sure that in this last hour, our light is bright enough for them to walk and find the one we're preaching about. Words about his person. He told us who he was and who he is divinely, exclusively, and eternally. He's not a God. He is the God. He's not a way. He's the way. He is the way, truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by him. You are watching on Christian television every day them telling you that we're all the same, that every road leads to God, and it doesn't matter. Some call him Allah, some call him Buddha, some follow Reverend Moon. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. We stand apart from this movement that is demonic, a one-world religion. It isn't called that yet, but it's what it is. A one-world faith that says it starts with little bits of truth and then it mixes it with a whole lot of lie. We're all alike. Yes, We're all God's creation. Yes. We all pray to the same God. No. That's why Christianity, the spiritual example of Israel, the earthly example, that's why the world system hates Judaism and Christianity because we say he is the only God. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. And that brings the gnashing of the teeth because you set yourself apart and you've declared yourself different or better or yours is the only way. Who do you think you are? I'd like to answer that. Who do you think you are in Macon, Georgia in June of 2015 preaching to your small crowd? Who do you think you are proclaiming Jesus to be the only God? Next. 
I'm next in line from the last faithful preacher that preached it, who preached after the last faithful preacher that preached it. We're not ashamed of his words about who he is, about how he died and why he died and what is accomplished. We're not ashamed of his passion. This is not a moral gospel. This is not an all-inclusive gospel which says everyone is saved. This is a gospel of blood, of a beaten, bruised lamb that was shred apart by a cat of nine tails and stretched wide and hung on a cross that those that looked upon him might receive forgiveness for their sins. He, there's no blood anymore. There's no talking of the Savior. It's just uh, God will change you. God will help you. Which God are you talking about and how will he change me? This ain't about life change. This is about life exchange. Death comes into life. Blindness comes into sight. Brokenness comes into wholeness through the revelation of the person and the atoning work of Jesus Christ. It gets narrow. It gets tight. Broad is the way that leads to destruction and many thereby go in that way. But narrow is the way that leadeth to life and few there are that find it. And we find ours not through modifying our life, but by receiving eternal life through God the Father, by believing on the atoning work of Jesus Christ. They're ashamed of the words about his miracles. They write them off. Well, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it did happen. You know, we're not so sure about creation anymore. We're not, you know, Jesus walking. Well, you know, maybe there was a couple rocks there and he walked on a low place. You'd be surprised. You've heard it. Like the one professor that was teaching about Moses and the Israelites going through the Red Sea. And he said, it wasn't really the Red Sea, it's the Reed Sea. And at a certain time of the year, the Reed Sea would, like a low tide would go out. And you have 8 or 12 inches of water. And it wasn't really um, an ocean that parted. It was just like the winds blew, the desert winds. And it just blew back that little 6 inches of water. And then some little simple person of faith. I like to group myself with the simple people because... People don't have much expectation of you if you're simple. She was standing in the back and she'd been raised on truth. And so here's this professor pontificating on the theory of the Reed Sea and the winds blowing and the waters being blown back. She said, oh, glory to God. You ever seen people have a spell? He's like, oh, oh. And the professor's like, you know, with the little patches on his elbows. What she goes, oh God. She turned away from him. you was great, but I didn't know you could drown the whole army in six inches of water. Woo, Lord, Lord. Pray for your pastor. That ain't in my notes. I just thought about it. I remembered it. Oh, do you believe? I believe in the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the fall of man and the salvation of man through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe that he turned water into wine. I believe he fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with one boy's lunch and two fish. I believe that he's the healer. I believe he's a redeemer. I believe he's a soon-and-coming king coming back for his church. His church. I am amazed at the copy and paste Christians. Facebook is one of the most depressing things to me. The, I'm telling you, the only reason I'm on it, I'm telling you, is because y'all don't call or email no more. Everybody Facebooks. They'll say, did you get my message, Pastor? Uh-uh. I wrote you on Facebook. Oh, okay. So I, when I retire, 
I'm going offline, baby. That's the most depressing. Anyway, they'll write this, why why the Christians are going through the tribulation. And I'm not disrespecting people's views, but they'll copy and paste. Well, the early church did not believe in this. And it wasn't until Darby wrote his Bible. What research have you done? One of the most historical, consistent doctrines of the church was lifting up your eyes, looking to the heavens because your redemption draws nigh. Paul said, be be on a watch, he's going to come, he's coming quickly. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. And these people copy and paste. Nobody believed that. Paul was looking for it. He goes, are you coming before I get finished? Everyone's been looking. And unto them that look for him shall he appear without the second time unto salvation. Not sin, but unto salvation. So you believe in the rapture unequivocally. Well, I believe I'm going through the tribulation. I do too. Go. If you believe you're going through, I'm, I'm for it. Now, Pastor John, what if you're wrong? Then I'm going to go through the tribulation wrong. And when he comes back, I'm going to be his anyway. There you have it. I'm looking for him. Well, Brother Wood, there, we're, there, nowhere in the word of God is the word rapture. I don't see the word marriage fighting in the Bible either, but you know. Y'all didn't get that? I don't hear celebrate your anniversary. Try that one, catfish. It ain't in the Bible. (laughs) Neither is this skillet I'm going to hit you with. (laughs) Words about his righteousness. The only righteousness you have is imparted. Words about immorality. You You know how we take our coat off? You know how we take our wedding ring off? When someone will ask us about something or they're talking about an immoral subject, whether it be adultery, sex outside of marriage with another person that's married or somebody not your spouse, whether it's homosexuality, lesbian, it doesn't matter. Fornication, uh, having sex with someone that's not your marriage partner, it, it doesn't matter. Here's how we dilute it. We'll say, well, uh, you know, I believe that it's wrong. They don't make people mad at you. But when you say, that's sin. And what we do is we're ashamed of his words and we back out just enough where we don't draw the ire, the hatred that they put on Jesus because he shined. And he wasn't arrogant and he wasn't hitting them over the head with an Old Testament Bible, but he lived in such a way. And that woman that was taken in adultery, remember what he told her? In the, in the hearing of everybody else, the one he said, you who are without sin, throw the first stone. And beginning with the oldest to the youngest, they all left. And then he said to her, now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. Sin no more. That what you were doing? That's wrong. Well, I just believe that, you know, uh, you preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. What? That's called an opinion. The gospel is a message that you and I were helpless and hopeless and dead in our trespasses and sin. And Jesus died to pay our penalty. And those that believe in that name are saved. We, have to, we can't be embarrassed of his words, whether it's about the rapture or immorality. That's wrong. When Paul told that king, he said, you shouldn't be with your brother's wife. That's wrong. Got him killed. Well, the Lord, he just, you know, Jesus was the friend of sinners. Oh, I'm glad I'm going to touch on this. Jesus was the friend of sinners. But you're mistaking your role with his role. He came to die 
for their sins. You came to represent him. He hung out with them. He, he wanted them to see his love for them. But the message was not that he had lunch and dinner with them. The message was he died for them. And what did he die for? Their sins. Our sins. Sins. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. We are sinners. Words about judgment. Well, I just believe the Lord's a God of love. And I just don't think God would judge anybody. You're wrong. For if God spared not the angels which sinned, but cast them down from their heavenly habitation, and he spared not Sodom and Gomorrah, but rained fire and brimstone and consumed that whole city, and spared not the whole world when he sent the flood, the whole world was drowned. But he's not going to judge us or our friends. And some of our friends, the only hope of salvation, the only hope, is the light in our life and we've turned it down so they would like us. He will judge. Behold the goodness, look at how he died, and the severity of God. What kind of God would judge someone and send them to hell? The same kind that would die so they wouldn't have to go there. Same kind. We can't be ashamed of his words. Oh, I want to just hit one more while I'm here. I'm not embarrassed are ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I am a spirit-baptized, tongue-talking Christian. I'm not weird. I'm not strange. I don't levitate. I don't do none of that stuff. But you think for a minute I'm going to be embarrassed. They say, so you, what do you do? This happens to me all the time. I'm a pastor. Oh. Well, what kind of church? Uh, Assembly of God. Oh. Y- y'all, you do them tongue things? Mm-hmm. Oh. All the time. And then some will ask you curious questions about it. And it'd be so easy to say, well, you know, I do, but it's not like that. And I, oh, I tell them, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I talk in tongues. Absolutely. And, I, and as they walk off, sometimes I go, and, and I love him too. I just want you to know that for me. What kind of husband would be ashamed if someone would say, do you belong to Kelly? Well, what do you mean by belong? Y'all know I'm simple, but sometimes I can leave you with something that makes sense, you know. Well, by Christian, well, you know, we're all... No, no, no. I belong to him. I'm not embarrassed of anything in his word. I'm not embarrassed of his promises. And I'm not embarrassed of what he prophesied is coming to come. Those who are ashamed of the Lord are untrue. They honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. Untrue in their profession. Untrue in their understanding untrue in their position, untrue in their possession. They deceive others and they may deceive themselves, but God is not deceived. Matthew 7 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say, not some, not a couple, but many will say in that day, Have we not prophesied in your name and in your name cast out devils? That's spiritual power. Prophecy is boldness. Casting out devil is, is, is power. And in thy name done many wonderful works. That's service. And he said, I never knew you. You were doing activity. Be careful not to call, be caught up in a spiritual culture of activity that's not centered upon, focused upon, and unashamedly connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. It begins with him. 
It sustains by him and it ends in him. We're not doing religious work. We're preaching the gospel. We're preaching the gospel going overseas. We're preaching the gospel here. Those who are ashamed of the Lord are unwilling. They're unwilling to stand up. Like the three Hebrew boys I talked to you about that uh, were going to be cast alive in a burning, fiery furnace. And they stood anyway and said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will. But if he doesn't, let it be known unto you this day that we're still not going to bow down and serve your God. Three out of an entire nation that stood. Now, it's not going to cost us our life, but it cost us in a thousand little ways. Let me tell you the difference between a martyr and what you're called to do. A martyr is shot in the head or their head's chopped off. You slow bleed. A thousand little nicks of rejection and whisperings and not invited to lunch when everybody else go. And we are all giving our lives. We're going with him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Bible says it. The Bible says it. If you live godly, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you'll suffer persecution. Why? Because the world hates him. They don't mind you being religious. They don't mind you feeding the hungry and clothing the poor. They mind you being Christian and make sure that you're not caught up in works trying to get there. Maybe you're caught up there and doing works through that experience. Our works flow from the union of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not earthly works. Paul said this in 2 Timothy 2. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A good soldier of Jesus Christ. Does that word describe you as a Christian? There are many people that are kind, good, gentle, loving. But are you a soldier? A soldier means I have a loyalty to someone and something. I will do whatever it takes to defend that loyalty. And I am not embarrassed of the embroidered patch on my sleeve. I'm not, I lost something here. Is it resetting? I'm sorry. Um, endure hardness as a good soldier of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Soldiers do without the comforts, listen, that other people have. I don't have the luxury of being accepted by the world and the world system because I'm a soldier. I may not look like it to you and it may not always be a good one. And I may be an underachiever. But we don't take the uniform off. And we stand and defend the Lord. Which means in a conversation when it's brought up, watch. When they're talking about what they're going to do that night. And we're going to go out and uh, we're going to, you know, whatever illicit thing they're talking about doing. Say, hey, you want to go? We don't say, no, no thanks. And we go, oh, that was good. I refuse to go sin. No, you didn't stand. Hey, John, you, you want to you go? I can't do that against Christ. That's sinful. You see, one makes me a good guy because I was real polite. No, no, thank you. Y'all go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Listen to this. Y'all go ahead. Sleep around on your husband and wife. Go ahead. Y'all go have a girl's night. Have fun. Go see the X-rated movie that's only rated R because our nation doesn't know the difference. Go ahead. Read the book. Have a, have a woman's group and talk about uh, chaining another woman to a wall and a man abusing her. Talk about, go ahead. Y'all go ahead and do it. I'm just not going to participate. That's cowardly. It's not only, no, will I not come? How can you do that? 
You stand. Not arrogantly, but gently. You stand firm though where there's no mistaking. You, sh- you shouldn't do that. It's wrong to have your brother's wife. That's wrong. Well, we, you know, the Lord's called us to peace. He said, I've brought a sword to you, not a peace. Not peace. We're people of peace. But the sword is just there because anytime you quote the word, it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it offends. Our motive is not to offend, but to please God. It's not to offend people, but please the Lord. And you can speak the truth in love. You can say, I could never do that. Well, why? And there's three or four Christians. They're going, he said, because I can't. Scripture's clear on that. If I look at another woman in lust, it's the same thing as adultery. I can't go do that. Well, I bet you've done it before. I bet you've looked in your mind. And I repented because it's wrong. You stand on the side of right. And in this hour, we've got people that are priding themselves on what they're not doing instead of who they are. It's time for us, and I'm inviting you and me to become more unashamed of the Lord and His words and our faith in Him. Now, this is going to be tough here. And I was just touching on it a moment ago. Those who are ashamed of the Lord are silent. And I gave you an illustration already. It said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, Ephesians 5, but rather reprove them. And here's what we do. We. We don't take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but we keep our mouths shut. Let me tell you what reprove means. Admonish. Tell a fault, refute, or rebuke. The silence of the believer in this world is the price of admission to take part in their culture, their system, and their spirit. This silence reveals cowardice and true allegiance. This silence is noticed and recorded in heaven. How can you say that? Because he said, I knew who was ashamed of me in this world. And that's who I'm going to be ashamed of in the next. It's noticed and recorded We have to stand out. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And that's not with a look of arrogance. It's, no, can't do it. Can't sing it. Can't watch it. Can't participate in it. Can't condone it. And please... In the last year or two, there have been many people who have left this church. And it's gotten back to me, Why? preaching if you're one of those Christians that comes around some young person in their 20s and encourage them to party because it's okay I do it but I do it under control and I have a liberty in God God help you God help you we are to be an example and it's not what we can get away with we can't just condone these kids that are spiraling away we have to be different we have to be different And you don't have to agree with me. If the Lord gives you an opportunity to preach, you preach it the way you want. But I don't want to be the example that they follow. And then they slip into bondage where I have my little, I can just dabble with it. And I'm going to get to that in a moment about being a stumbling block. But we're silent. Their silence is noticed in heaven. It's recorded in heaven. It reveals what's truly in their heart. It's the evidence that will be used against them at the judgment. And some whose words are modified and diluted so much that it's similar to the same thing. Listen to this. Silence in this world is like thunder in the next world. Silence in this world is like thunder in the next world. 
Those who are ashamed of the Lord are stumbling blocks to new believers. Jesus says in Matthew 18, if you cause one of these new ones, these little ones that have faith in me to stumble. A stumbling block was a block of wood that people would put in front of blind people so they would fall. That's where it came from, stumbling block. It would position it in the road and then laugh at them for falling. And God tells us that if your behavior, your choices, the things you allow in your life causes someone to stumble in their faith, it were better if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown into the deepest part of the ocean. You won't hear that on Christian television. Stumbling blocks. Not just our deeds, our silence can be a stumbling block. Our teenagers are watching us. Our babies are watching us. My daddy used to, uh, first of all, when God saved him, he rescued him from a life of physical abuse where he was abused and uh, alcohol and just all types of stuff. And I remember as a little boy, and these young people won't understand this in this digital age. Y'all remember the tube television? With the... You remember, you remember being the antenna? You hold antenna... You hold your brother's hand and he holds aluminum foil and you do this. Y'all remember that? And you, now this, this is far-fetched, but this is far-fetched, but I still remember it. If a beer or cigarette commercial would come on or anything. Now we're talking about in the 70s, so it wasn't nothing like today. Anything close. Go turn it off, sugar. You'd be watching Lassie or Disney or something. You turn it off. How long does it take to turn on again? Eight minutes. <laughs> Can we just change the channel? No. Turn it off. And some shows, you'd catch about three minutes of it. I'm, I'm being serious. What was he doing? He said, if I'm going to air, I want them to know where I stand. I don't want my silence to teach them that something's right or wrong. He saw what it did to his family. He said, no, as for us, no, baby, no. So we just didn't watch much television like that. Now, I've got little girls in the house. And I'm learning that they're watching. See, Daddy, Daddy has uh, a weakness. I talk to traffic. I do not believe that everyone that's driving passed a test. They did not. They did not. First of all, you can't see. You're on the phone. You're putting on makeup and disciplining children in the back at the same time. And I'll go, come on, baby. Come on. Oh. Oh, it gets better. Idiot. Idiot. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You're not trying to teach them, right? You're not trying to teach them. They pick up on all of it. And I'll just say this last part. On the few times that Kelly and I don't get along, the little girls will pick up on it and walk and stand by our leg. One of them told me the other day, he said, don't, Daddy. And it's like it just sobers me. They're picking up signals as well as actions. And in this generation, people are looking at us. We got to be different. We got to talk different. We've got to stand. We've got to make it unmistakable. So when my dad died and left us, Jim was 12, I was 11, Mark was nine and Rachel was, Mark was seven and Rachel was two. He left me knowing this. I knew where he stood and we were different. 
He wasn't a legalist. And back then, in one of our churches, you couldn't have a television in the house to be the pastor. And we had a little black and white television, like 10 inches, and Daddy kept it in the closet. Because he didn't feel the, you know, they called it television. You remember? Y'all remember that? The television. And I remember he, uh, Mama said he was preaching one day. And he said, and with this I close. And I'm like two and a half. I stood up. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He almost done. We can go home and watch television. <laughs> the elders got up, came to the front, stopped service, and took him in a back room. It was, it was hard. I didn't know. So I want to, I want to show you the, the balance. It wasn't that you can't do anything. It's not one of these people, you know, some Christians would have you. You can't chew chewing gum. You can't, you know, I just want to thank the Lord that God delivered me from makeup, long pants, eyeglasses, walking sticks, roll-on deodorant, and outdoor floodlights. I'm delivered. And chewing gum. I got off of chewing gum. Woo. No, it's, it's not that. But it's standing where you're supposed to stand and being unashamed. And we're going to be a turn it off television house. Kelly and I have walked out of more movies than we've ever sat through. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm, no, my babies aren't going to say, but you, so-and-so, unashamed. Because if we're kind of ashamed, guess where the next generation's going to be? Well, that's, this ain't real popular, but it's the truth. We're stumbling blocks to weak believers and to the lost. Ben, if you'd come, please. You're the salt of the earth. If it's lost its savor, wherewith can it be salted again? You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What if our stand is the only thing that they see? If our stand is just that we're good, then they believe that we're good, but they're still lost. There has to be the separation. There has to be a consecration. And there has to be a living out in front of them that there's a person we're connected to, not an ideology. And we're not ashamed of him or his words. I have been ashamed before. Not many times, but I have. And I was quiet. And I felt like I cheated on the Lord when I did it. Simon Peter, standing outside at a a fire, and they were falsely accusing the Lord. And this lady goes, you're a Galilean. I think you're one of those. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. No, really. You were there when they, the miracle, the feeding of the father. I tell you, I don't know the man. Watch. They pressed again the third time and said, no, you are one of the 12. And he began to curse. He changed his behavior to prove to them that he was not connected. He cursed like them. And he heard the rooster crow. And he remembered that Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. But here's the message to the ashamed. You don't have to stay ashamed. He repented. He repented. And Jesus told him, he said, Simon, when you're young, you went about like you wanted to and where you wanted to go. But when you're old, they're going to carry you away, not where you wanted. And 
unanimously, historians record his death this way. Now, it's not in the Bible. I want you to hear me. It's not in the Bible, but it's no denouncing of it either. But many, 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 many manuscripts say that Simon Peter was crucified. He was led away. He was crucified like Jesus. And they drove the spikes into his head. You know they said, just denounce him. Just denounce him. Mm -mm. They drove it in his hand. They drove it through his feet. And they drove it through his hands. And right when they began to pick him up, he said, spin it upside down. I'm not worthy to die in the same manner in which my Lord Jesus died. And they hung him upside down and he died. There is a place that we are to be where we are resolved to never take off our wedding ring ever to never never keep our quiet about what he's done for us and we stand see you get to stand you've got groups of friends i can't ever reach mine is to encourage you see this is the huddle this is the huddle the game's out there you get to play the game very quickly I remember hearing this for the first time in 1986 or 87. I don't remember which, but it was right when I first got saved. And it moved me then and now with my little girls and my little boy. I can't, I can't hardly tell the story. Our missionary came through like here. And, you know, there's missionary uh, places where there's non-acceptance. There's places where it's never been heard. And there's, it'll cost you your life. I mean, at the drop of a hat. And he came and told us of his friends that were there. And they came in and took the man's wife and children out right by the river. Children. Put the knife to his little boy's throat and said, denounce him or your boy dies. And the little boy looked at his daddy and said, see you in heaven, daddy. See you in heaven. And he slit his throat and threw the man's boy in the river for the gators. And he said, I watched it. That man will never walk the same again. There's no angels going, glory, glory. He has his soul ripped out of him. But on the day when Christ comes and he sees me, he goes, you, you, the glory that comes, the validation, and you have a, God's not asking that of all of us. But he's asking the unashamed part at all of us. A thousand different ways. This man's son died quickly. We die slowly. But we offer our body a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. One more story. And then I want us to sing this anthem from our heart. It's, it's similar enough that you'll catch the vibe of what I said. There's a man that was in his 50s. And uh, he had been married for 30 years, high school sweetheart thing, you know, married early 20s or late teens. But his wife came down very physically sick and on top of it went into full-blown dementia. She didn't know anybody, didn't recognize anybody. And he took care of her everyday physical needs. He washed her, he cleaned her, he fed her, he changed her diaper. And family and friends, after about a year or two, said, you just need to get her 24-hour care. You, just, you, you need to go on with your life. You, you've got, you're just 50. You've got 20, 30 years left. And then some person, I don't remember the detail of the story, but obviously didn't know him, 
said the statement. He says, she doesn't even know who you are. And he said, even if she doesn't know who I am, I know who she is. (laughs) And I'm staying. Darkness is covering this earth. And gross darkness is going to cover the people. And there's going to be times if Jesus tarries where it looks like he's forgot us. There's not going to be that validation, that vindication. And you're going to stand and they're going to call you all manner of evil. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, guess what they're going to call you? Stand. Just stand. Suffer it. And everything will be noticed. Don't ever rise up in arrogance or meanness. But stand for truth. Stand for him. And all of that will be rewarded. It's recognized and known. If he's ashamed of some people at his coming, that means he's going to celebrate and be proud of some at his coming. Unashamed. I speak that over this church. Unashamed in any situation, in any group of people. Walk out, walk away. Cut me off, do what you want. Call me a hate-filled preacher. Call me whatever you want to call me. I am his, and I will not denounce him. And I'm not going to dilute him. I'm not going to mix him with your other gods. I am a Christian. Christian means little Christ. I am a little imitation, a part of this family. And I love him. I don't just like him, I love him. And I'm his. I want to ask you now to stand and think about this before you do. In the court of this world, to be played out out there. I am offering you the opportunity today to say this is once and for all, all in. And those of you that are familiar with cards, when you, when you go all in, it's one of two things. Either I'm bluffing or I got the goods. Try me. And when you know you have the winning hand, it doesn't matter what they play. Are you all in in this last hour to be God's and God's alone unashamed if so I invite you not just to sing this song but to sing it to the Lord in the presence of angels and all that have went before us the great cloud of witnesses that we'd rather have Jesus would you stand with us I'd rather have Jesus than silver or I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his This world of four.
family, when this service is uh, over, this is a real shift of gears. Uh, we have the opportunity to celebrate with Eddie Berryhill and Leah as they uh, make vows one to another and are wed today. You're invited to stay. Uh, you don't have to, but family and friends, we're just going to in about five minutes meet here in the front and they're going to exchange their vows. So I wanted to give you that invitation as their church family. Now, as you go out from here, Okay, may I give you just a quick 30 seconds of counsel? When you hear something very hard like this, here's what you do. You just apply it. It's like the part where the Bible says you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and the Lord lifts you up and you go out and you live unashamed. And there's not only difficulty with that, there's great glory that comes with it. You'll sense the Lord's approval. You'll sense his nearness. You'll sense his pleasure. And um, only you can live unashamed for you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day today. God bless you.